It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies. With the theater still closed, we continue to stream the latest releases and review some classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. Hey there, Jim. So, with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. Well, this week on the podcast, we talk about new flicks to streaming, what a surprise, VOD, open rage, the list, special rage or double dare, or should I say double dog dare from our social media pod family. And then we can now go on and get our hair cut, get a massage, and get our nails did. Cool. The best. All right, sir. Well, let's jump right into it. Kind of cool, though. Streaming. And Bryce, we're doing what? We're streaming. So let's start off with a little gem from Shudder. Shudder. Dum dum. <laughs> dum dum. And by gem, I mean not such a good movie. What? Oh, we're going to fight, bitch. Oh, we're fight. it's on. So, it's on, motherfucker. Hunted is a story of a woman who has a bad day, so she goes out for a drink which is a big mistake as her bad days turns into a worse night. Lots of Red Riding Hood references with wolves, both literal and figurative, as well as a red jacket worn by our heroine Eve. The action gets jump-started by a strange car accident that involves a wild boar. It turns into a sort of chase movie and then morphs into a revenge movie by the end. The silly chase ends up at some house, and the climax was so unforgettable that I saw this a few days ago, and I can't even tell you how it ended. I didn't mind the performance of The Man, played by uh, Aria, Ari Warthalter, we'll go with. Uh, his, char- nice. his character was at least interestingly demented, but he is the only one I wanted to know more about. I guess Simone Mills' doctor as the Huntress was interesting as well. It was kind of a letdown that when the Huntress met the man, that there was not more of a showdown. Whether it be mental or physical, there needed to be more of a, of a payoff between those two, I felt. Uh, you'll notice that I've barely mentioned the only character that has a name in this film, Eve. That is because she's the only person that I didn't give a crap about. Uh, which is bad when, you know, she's your lead character. So this film was uh, a waste of my time. And when films waste my time, they do something to me. They make me rage. Oh, God. This was crap. Uh, I feel sad for you. Retreaded crap that I've seen a thousand times before. Way better done. Not good. 
Yeah, see, I I saw it a different way because I didn't think it was anything like anything I'd seen before. Really? I mean, you've seen revenge movies, but nothing that was this kind of... I don't, what was she even getting revenge for? Scared. Nothing happened to her. I mean, stuff was good, huh? But nothing well, actually did. Okay, maybe not to her, but let let me let me talk a little bit about why I love this movie. All right, so was she uh, she's getting revenge for everybody else? Was she? Yeah, why not? Right, I mean, I can buy that. Thing. Even at that, though, here's the still thing. crap. Here's here's the thing. If we're taking a uh, cool spin on Red Riding Hood, yeah, but they, even they, the they were trying, and. They end up in potentially what could be noted as potentially grandma's house yeah. at the end. Yeah, they they I, did. I I know. I love the I love the animal symbolism through the film. Initially, I was lo- kind of like it's corny, but then I embraced it. I started to like it, and then I started to love it. They had snakes. They had deers. They had lizards. They had crows. They had boars. It was there was animals everywhere. There was. I freaking love. I freaking love the huntress. I love the bedtime story right at the very beginning. That was the good. Tells her the bedtime story at the beginning the was good. And man, did it, it set up everything. Oh, uh, it, it just, set up everything. It's just a in the middle just a letdown after that. It seemed so random, and yet it came back in full force. Uh, so the boar scene was very interesting. It threw me for a little bit of a loop. Like, you knew that these guys had some kind of relationship, but I was kind of like, okay. Uh, I thought originally that the director was just drawing symbolic reference to the wolves slash men, and the timing and the magic between our wolves was done, in my opinion, amazing. It was very creepily done, and I thought I felt awkward every time they were on stage together or on screen together. I'm not sure I would have done the cliff drop that Eve did, with my hands tied behind my back. But, I mean, you know, she had the choice. Am I going to be murdered and raped by this guy and his his crony? Or do I take my chances falling into the river with my hands tied behind my back? The incision finger poke that our bad guy does, uh, I thought was pretty creepy and freaky as fuck. Uh, every scene, and you said there was only one name, but there is another, and he comes back a couple of times, and that's my friend Andy. Is this, did they say his name? Yeah, he, he's Andy. Multiple times. Oh yeah, I wasn't yeah. paying attention Andy, by that point. Perhaps you fell asleep. Perhaps maybe. Uh, and it, every time Andy was in it, just kept getting better. It's kind of too bad that Andy was so accident prone. Uh, Sorry, wait, all, I don't even know, know which one was Andy. He was his. Okay, okay listen to it me. Was and I was a sidekick. Story. It was the sidekick. Okay, it wasn't the the, yeah. the huntress's son. Uh, it did become the Huntress's son because his name was then also Andy. What? He renamed him Andy. Oh. Were you even watching this movie? <laughs> I don't even remember Apparently that. Apparently not. I was so, watching okay, it. Let, I was watching it alone to, too. Let it's not. To, let me get back to reminding you about this movie. Right. Uh, it's kind of bad that Andy was so accident prone. After all, he got uh, a car in his stomach, a rock in his face tape in his face, a knife in his body, and on and on. Just poor Andy. Now, what about new Andy? <laughs> new Andy. <laughs> we, have, we have Crow, 
Digital Camera Folly, Zombie Mom, Paintball Game, Cornfield. Every single one of these things, every time something came up in this movie, I had no clue what was going to happen. And to me, this was the joy I was having watching this. Nothing was expected in this. It was not dumb. It was fun. It was like, okay, what are they going to do next? How are they going to make me more entertained than the the moment before? The scene, well, well, I'll talk about this in a minute. But the time the cornfield came, I'm like, where's new Andy? I kept thinking new Andy was going to come back because they kept giving me such great surprises that new Andy still had to come back. I mean, he was now, he took over the job from his mom as a huntress. So I figured new Andy's got to show up. And I won't spoil it for those people who see this. Uh, some random events all coming together in an orgy of chaos and visual horrific joy that just kept on going and going and going. Talk about final fight. I love the final fight. This was like a final fight. The whole movie was a final fight. I don't even remember. Yes. Yeah, well, it started at about 30 minutes in, and then it was a final fight. Yes, Wonder Woman 84, this is what a final fight actually looks like. By the time we got to the end, I almost thought that Eve and the guy actually found their dream their dream home and would live together happily ever after there was a moment there i was kind of like i think they might just fall in love because they're so (laughs) (laughs) but ultimately to your point i really didn't care i did not care about any of the characters but I didn't, I, I didn't mind because it was just so messed and fun. I didn't know what was happening. Uh, gets a Jimmy Joygastic horror dump and chase, romp through urban and rural ladies who kick ass and punch dick, satisfying warrior woman Mondo. But we have to unpack a few things. So the first one is the Braveheart makeup. I thought that, again, thought that was hilarious. She, gets, she puts the paintball makeup on and she's instantly... William Wallace thought it was brilliant. I thought uh, uh, New Andy. Okay, so did you think New Andy had the balls to take up, to pick up the mom's gauntlet? Uh, I thought that he was obviously going to pick up mom's gauntlet because she's been training him like his whole life for this type of thing. So yeah, but then he didn't do anything. He didn't like he was such a pussy uh, when the guy was there. I, I think it was obvious that he was going to do something. Were, were you surprised by Zombie Mom? I know you thought that... I thought Zombie Mom was dumb. I thought it was great. I loved it. I was just kind of like... that was. I, I was like you. It felt anticlimactic when she actually died. I was like, oh, shit. Because yeah, that, that should have been the showdown. Take him on. She should have been uh, kicking it, some ass. Well, she kind of did because she came back to life. Kind of. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was funny. I loved Zombie Mom. Uh, it's too bad you didn't get the joy that I did of this. It was, it was, it was a funny. I, I didn't know what to expect, and for me, that's that's a sign of a, mo- a good movie. I did not expect any of what was happening in this movie. So anytime something happened, it was just like, okay, that's cool. Oh, well, that's cool. Oh, that's cool, because I didn't expect any of it to happen. And I never said that's cool once. I was like, ugh. Why? How could, uh, how could you? Like, there was so much not knowing what was going to happen. It was it. just, uh, nothing worked for me. Like, it did not flow in any way. It just, yeah, it was a it mess. Was it was a mess. 
Yeah. And, and I, that's and, why I liked it. And I could not give a crap of apparently giving a crap about it. What didn't, didn't matter to you, but I did no. not care about any, and the, and the only person that I had a name, cause I'm, I'm convinced there's no Andy. The only person. Uh, there's two Andys. <laughs> yeah, whatever. The only person that had a name, the person that we were supposed to care about the most, she was just horrible. Like they, once again, they show her in her, you know, her normal life. And it's like, why do I care about this person? I don't, whatever. I just, no. Yeah. Maybe you're not supposed to. That's the, the, the joy of just having shit happen. And, and then her kicking his ass. It was just great. I liked him. I probably shouldn't have, yeah, was, but I did. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, but, uh, he had some, he had some messed least, up ideas about yeah, life though. Yeah. At least, you know, at least he wasn't, I don't know. I, this was not good. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not defending anything about it. He, you know, even he couldn't save it and he wasn't enough of a character to, to save. I have anything. a feeling though you fell asleep through some of it. I never fell asleep. I, no, I stayed awake the whole time. I literally watched the end and I do not remember what happened. Like I have no idea. I remember them like, you know, smashing around in the house a little bit. And I, I don't know who lived, who died. I don't know what. I have no idea. I have no idea how it ended. And I watched it. And we and we don't want anybody to know. Just know that the ending is satisfying. Is it? It's so satisfying. Sure. I forgot. I watched it like three days ago and I have no idea how it ended. That's how and, satisfying an ending. And you forgot that there was two Andes in it. So apparently you can't remember much. Whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, wait. My favorite line. Okay. My nose is fuck. <laughs> that was by new Andy, by the way. That's fantastic. Now let's move on. <laughs> what else did we watch, Jim? Okay, well, we got to see The Dissident, which is a doc about Jamal Khashoggi and his disappearance. Or something like disappearance. It is directed by Brian Fogle, uh, written by Brian Fogle and Mark Monroe, and stars a bunch of people, including some famous people. Mm. So uh, I found that I'm not sure why Saudi Arabia allowed Jamal's wife to even live. Not sure uh, why they didn't bring her in there, too. Why did they give the recording of the murder? So many pieces of everything leads me to believe that MBS felt he is above the law, is basically what it boiled down to. <laughs> well, there's no question of that. I mean, they kind of And, appa- it, and apparently he is. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, apparently he is. Yeah. Without spoiling anything, but we're going to spoil some stuff later, people. Uh, the flies, the bees, like it was just, I, I was getting. As I'm watching it, I could not help but to start thinking about the movie Assassins, which we saw last year. It had a similar feel and build up, and yeah. Yeah, but it, 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 you know, the Assassins was my favorite doc of last year. If this was up against it, Assassins was still a better film than, than, I, than I think. Oh, unquestionably. Uh, I mean, okay. Okay, so for take to take on Jeff Bezos, first off, I mean, he may be the prince of Saudi Arabia, but this is motherfucking Jeff Bezos. And you think that you can 
try and take on Jeff Bezos, like the guy is the richest person in the world and that money can't buy your death or, you know, whatever he wants to do. Like, it's just, it, it, it was just, it was making me angry. Saudi Arabia and where they've gone in the last four years has just been so unprecedented and annoys the living shit out of me. They frustrate me. I don't dislike any culture, but countries that can think that they're above the law and that have the number of human rights violations against them that Saudi Arabia has, I just don't, I don't get it. Uh, I really like the education part of this film. I'm still, I was still debating as I watched it whether um, that I could like it nearly as much as Assassins, but it, it, I definitely can't put it in the same ballpark. Don't know whether uh, it is because I knew more about this one, because this one was in the news a heck of a lot more than the yep. other one. And we, we never tired of, of seeing it, right? Uh, or if my emotions were not as heightened, uh, I'm not sure. I cannot separate the two cases that easily as both have countries killing people that they decide they want to kill. Never have I been more proud of my own government, but when they called out Saudi Arabia's human rights violations and stayed strong and true against what they believe and what Saudi Arabia was doing, and Saudi Arabia literally pulled out all of their their people from Canada, took away all the rights of their students and said, you know what, screw you, Canada. I was proud of that moment because I'm thinking, you know what, people got to stand up to these people. And us, a little country of Canada of like 35, 40,000 people to stand up to one of the most powerhouses of the oil and gas world. To me, that yeah, was a proud moment for me. I'm, and I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm not going trying to get political here, but I'm trying to say these are the kind of things that has to happen against these countries. I, I'm so I get so infuriated with it. Um, okay, it did its job. It pissed me off, and did bring in about the emotion it was supposed to. For that reason alone, this gets uh, fucking stop dealing with evil nations, people of the world. I'm not impressed. G20, Davos in the desert after Jamal's death is an embarrassment. No sanctions. They learn nothing except they can get away with murder, Mondo. Hmm. I'm, I was angry. By the time I ended this movie, I was pissed. And to me, that's a sign this deserves a Mondo. Fair enough. Uh, so Got a few things to unpack, but we can talk about it after we talk. Yeah, so this is an interesting film that feels more like a suspense thriller than a documentary, quite like Assassins. Um, it painted a more detailed picture of Khashoggi which added to the understanding of the situation for me. Uh, Khashoggi went from journalists that essentially represented the regime of Mohammed bin Salam, Salman uh, to the number one enemy of said regime in a short amount of time. Uh, fearing for his life, he had to flee his country, leaving his wife and family behind. Unfortunately, we are all familiar with the footage of Khashoggi entering the country's embassy in Turkey to pick up some papers, which ended up being the last time that he was seen alive. We also have a bit of a side story involving a dissident in Canada and some online warriors using the Twitter to reach the citizens of Saudi as it's the only way to really reach them is because Twitter's still uncensored. <laughs> um, all in all, I learned a few things that gave me a better understanding, but there was nothing new presented here. This story was covered in great detail in the media, and this was just a bit of a rehash of all that. 
If you know nothing about this case, I strongly recommend this. For the rest of us, while you may learn a few things about Khashoggi the man, I'm not sure it's enough to recommend this. It was meh. I, I get that. I, I understand. Like I was I was wrestling with whether I gave it a Mondo or a Matt as I watched it. But because it infuriated me so much that it, it, to me it did its job. That's really what I think the director was wanting to achieve from this. They wanted us to be pissed. And they want us to take action. They want us to tell our governments, listen, we can't let this shit happen. Like, this is now two movies that we've seen in the last year where countries think they're bigger than the law and they've literally proved that they are i don't get it i just don't get it it makes me infuriated that they can just randomly decide someone deserves to die because they said things about them or in the case of kim jong-un's uh brother half brother yeah right it was like what the hell man like I'm just, I'm so angry. I just, I don't understand why other countries don't stand up. So I'm super proud of my government. Obviously, obviously they're still not doing enough because we're still buying their fucking oil when we have a, a ground full of it here in Alberta. And yet we can't even sell our own oil to our own people. We're still buying it from unethical countries. Like it just, it infuriates me. Ugh. Here's my favorite line, though. All right. He's not just a journalist. He's a dissident. Yes. <laughs> uh, That's pretty much it. All right. So let's move on. Oh, by the way, that was video. Right. That was a video on demand. Um, so if you do want to watch it, uh, you got to pay for it. It's 15 bucks. <laughs> there you go. 15 bucks. All right, so from there, we go to One Night in Miami, which is on Prime. See how I did that? <laughs> now Prime. Very impressive, Jim. Instead of saying Amazon, you said Prime. I uh, did. This is a fictional account of a meeting that may have happened one night. I guess it did. Um that may have happened one night in Miami. It is based on the stage play written by Kemp Powers. It stars Bensley, Ben, uh, Bensley. Bensley, Ben, Ben, Ben. ben. <laughs> Let's try that again. It's, uh, it stars Kingsley, Ben, Adir. I think I got Ben Kingsley on the brain. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, yeah. So it stars Kingsley, Ben, Adir as Malcolm X, Aldous Hodge as Jim Brown, Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke, and Eli Gorey as Cassius Clay. It has an unforgettable cameo from Bo Bridges that early on sets the stage for the rest of the film. It also is the narrative feature-length directorial debut for Regina King. The four leads do a tremendous job portraying these real larger-than-life characters. Odom especially shines as Sam Cooke. While this may not have gone down exactly as portrayed in the film, it still felt genuine. The emotion felt real along with the motivations of each character. The scene where Malcolm X plays Sam Cooke, Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind, is one of the most powerful scenes you'll ever see. Malcolm X's proclamation that this song was written by a white man shows that Dylan was more of an activist than Cooke really cut him deep. And if this was truly the reason that Sam Cooke recorded A Change Is Gonna Come, then uh, thank you, Malcolm X. This film did a good job of showing us the men that these characters were. It gave us a glimpse behind the curtain and showed us their true selves as opposed to the way they felt they had to appear to the general public. This was a powerful, well-acted Mondo. Okay. So, 
Bo Bridges mm-hmm. does a great job leading us to believe he is not the normal racist white man from Georgia. Yeah, well, for a while. Right up until about exactly 13 minutes into this movie. And then be prepared for a jaw drop bomb of epic proportions. Yes. I was like, okay, this film just got real, people. Sure did. I needed to start with that. It's kind of, it kind of sums up, you know, the whole time that this film was made in. And, you know, it's, it's just right in a way you're kind of like I thought to be everybody yep. white in this movie and rightfully so yep. uh, now I hate to say this this film is yet again another stage play adaptation and was super apparent from the first two introductions to our main characters but 13 minutes in I'm fully awake and ready to see what Regina King is going to do to convince me stage plays are worth seeing as a movie. They so are. Well, well. Yes. Unlike most stage plays turned movie, even though it takes place mostly in one room, it did feel this was a play. Tur- this It did not feel, sorry, that this was a play turned into a film. It felt like a movie that also happened to be a play. This film is a great microcosm of the black culture of the 60s and gives us a small moment of a picture in the time of four great black men who are all great historical figures in their own right. This film by award-winning actress Regina King appealed to my love of character development at its core and brilliant actors which this film had in abundance. Most of the time, I did not want to do anything else but sit back and enjoy this open dialogue of the challenges, accomplishments, and souls of these four men. This is real. This is raunchy. This will appeal to anyone who may be a fan of any one of these men, but combined, it will be a super, super big love for anybody who sees this film. It's a first-time director, but you never know it, Mondo. we got to unpack a few things, in my opinion. Uh, first off, we literally just talked about Ma's Black Bottom not that long ago. Ma Rainey. This movie, to me, was night and day over that one. Really? I felt this one, yes, 100%. Well, you know that. I gave it a mess. This one, this one, to me, was all about the characters. I disagree. That one, yeah, the peripheral characters in Ma Rainey, to me, weren't really fully developed. In this one, every single character, there was only kind of, the peripheral characters were really not there, but even when they showed up, like Bo Bridges, it was fantastic. And then they focused so much on every character. I felt Ma Rainey was about two characters. That was it. That's all I, oh, that's all I cared about. Oh, whatever. Yep. Ma Rainey yep. was, no. No, 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 no. no. Anyways, this let's talk found, about this one. We're not going to argue about Ma Rainey. Okay, well, this this film allowed the characters to seem natural and not so scripted and moved in and out of the room to other scenes 
And you did not even know or feel it was happening because for me, I was glued to what they were saying and I wanted to know everything they had to say. My favorite line, I'm motherfucking, I'm, no, I'm Jim motherfucking Brown. Yeah, this uh, was a great movie. I, I fully loved every single thing about it. I think everybody should see it. And uh, uh, who knew... Like I knew about these characters, but I had to I had to go back and do a bunch of reading afterwards, just because I so loved every single one of them. I went back and looked at uh, at Jim Motherfucking Brown's uh, films he's been in too. He's been in a lot of movies, and yes. I, I love every single one. Mars Attacks, man, that's one of my favorite ones with him in it. I love him in that. There you go. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting. Uh, you know, the fact that these four men came together, they all came from like such different backgrounds that you may be a fan of one and not the other, or you may be a fan of a couple of them and not the other two. But the fact that they all came together, um, there's kind of something for everybody in this. Agreed. Yes. And just, just worth watching because the message still rings true today, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's going to apparently be that way for a while, but that's... Yes. Okay, so we also saw something on Netflix called Outside the Wire. Uh, do we have to In talk about this future. one? Uh, yes, we do. Really? In the near future, a drone mm. pilot sent into a war zone found himself paired with a top secret android officer on a mission to stop a nuclear attack. Wow. Bum, bum, bum. That Director Mikkel Ostrom, written by Rob Yeskobi, and stars Anthony Mackie, Damson Idris, Enzo Cliente. Uh, I like Enzo. I don't mind him. Yeah, but what about Mik- Mikhail Hofstrom? Is, is, well, is he one of your favorite directors? Uh, no, I don't know much about him. I know nothing but, about him. I know. thought. Yeah, me neither. All right. Uh, well, we, we won't look into him for now. And we'll <laughs> let everybody else. I don't think he's done so, anything. I think I looked into him just to see if I could get him on the doubted list after watching this. But <laughs> proceed. Well, you're going to have a hard time if I give this a Mondo. I guess so. Sci-fi, futuristic robo stuff that, other than the robot, seems kind of like not the future. Yeah. I, I personally thought the CGI was done okay for a CGI movie. There was CGI gave, in this? Just a little. Just a little. Oh. Uh, I felt it gave a real feel of what the army would feel like near the beginning of the film, but then started feeling less army and more buddy cop, buddy spy <laughs> as it progressed. Nor- <laughs> normally, I'm not a fan of these types of movies. Oh but no! Actually, I'm giving you—I'm giving you a warning. I didn't hate this. Oh no! As the film unfolded, I thought the acting was all done well. Nothing too original. I really like Anthony Mackie. I like him as an actor. I don't know why. I just do. I—I uh, I, I do much, too. I don't know what he's doing in this. Yeah, in pretty much everything he does. I—I—I uh, I, I like uh, Dancing Idris as well. Mackie had. Um, some sweet John Wick moves during 
the hand-to-hand stuff, which I like. It's, it's one of my favorite things about action films. Uh, action was great and suspense was done pretty good. As mentioned earlier, I'm not a big fan, though, of this type of action film, but I found myself somewhat enjoying the ride. The Robo Gump's characters were pretty cool. Again, just one more time, not my favorite genre, <laughs> but I thought they were, the Robo Gumps were kind of cool. Uh, I liked it, not loved it. The score so far. Yeah. Flag death was cool. Uh-huh. CGI head splatters was bad. Uh-huh. CGI robo gumps were cool. Uh-huh. Mackie wick action moves were cool. Mackie fly through car windows was cool. Movie gets a Mackie can handle himself as a lead, even in a movie that is mad. Wow. You are a very generous man. Oh, we found that out this, at the first movie when I gave it a Mondo and you gave it a Rage. I guess so. <laughs> Outside the Wire. Um, this was really loud. Um, lots of explosions and gunfire as well as rockets and loud cars. I'm not sure what the point was. Was the point that it's okay to sacrifice a few for the good of many or was the point that sacrifice anyone is not acceptable? At the end of the film, would it not have at least been a better ending if he sacrificed himself or were we going with the unreal narrative that you can save everyone and wasn't that a nuclear missile and was yeah yes and wasn't that a nuclear missile that they blasted a rocket into would there not have been more a more devastating explosion if you blow up a nuclear missile would that not detonate said missile i obviously don't understand this why I'm even why am I even talking about this? I hated the movie. It was loud and a total waste of Anthony Mackie. This was a rage. Uh, Seriously, when you bad. when you shoot a rocket into a nuclear missile, doesn't that it, wouldn't that detonate the missile? Well, you have to remember. Okay, first off, learn me it, something here, Jim. You have to Jim. remember. You have a few things you have to remember. Okay. Number 1, yes, is that it's science fiction, not science fact. Number two. That's that's a pretty. No, you can't just. This, this is, is the, the future. future. So in the future, this you can blast future. a rocket into a nuclear missile, and there's no fallout. A special, a special nuclear missile that captures uh, the, the, the nuclear goo. Flimsy. That, and that, uh, you know, who knows? You know, the important thing was. What was the important Mackie thing? The important thing was that Anthony Mackie got to do hand-to-hand combat, and it was cool. No, it was just stupid. The ending sucked. The, the It was unrealistic, and I know it's science fiction, so I shouldn't be looking for real. But where do you draw the line? I mean, really. You're going well, blo- you're gonna you're gonna to blow, blow up a nuclear missile, and it's not going to detonate the missile. I don't understand <laughs> I that. Wanna, I just want to be did clear. I, did you're, I miss something? Only- you're only drawing the line there. That's what. Wow, well, no, I, I could draw the line at a hundred different places in this movie. This movie is just stupid. Yeah, but but Anthony Mackie was doing cool stuff. Yeah, this is this is a rage. I cannot believe you gave this a mad. There's something wrong with you. You you. I, I like tell it. 2021. It's just like. Jim is just handing out meds like they're candy. This is what you wait, used to wait, tell. Well, this is what you used to say I did. 
but I'm sitting here giving these movies what they deserve, rages, and you're sitting, eh, they weren't that bad. The hell they weren't hey, that bad. They were freaking awful. Movie, movie, movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's me. It's Jimmy. I, I totally <laughs> I totally don't think I'm handing out meds like they're candy. Oh, you sure just, are, mister. Well, I gave Ma Rainey a mask, so maybe I shouldn't have given it. Maybe I should have given it a rage. Yeah, well. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's, that's, the one, that's your one misstep this year. Well, not your one misstep, but that was a major one. <laughs> ah, please, Jimmy. Yes. <laughs> I like Anthony Mackie. I can't help it. He's, like, <laughs> well, he's so adorable. He's so adorable, that Anthony Mackie. And he, he had so many cool action, hand-to-hand stuff. I was channeling John Wick as I'm watching him. All right. Let's stop talking about Anthony Mackie. Just stop. I'm okay. I'm okay. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. I'm just getting this music on. It's mm. giving me my juice. It's giving me my juice. That's what it's for. So, my rage this week is nothing specific to film, which maybe it should be. But the thing I'm going to rage about this week is we've now seen two movies in the last year. For me, both of them were Mondo. One was a Mondo and one was a Mad For You. Both about countries that are just doing whatever the fuck they want, whenever they want, killing people, doing whatever they want. I'm going to get a little bit political here. I am sick and tired of seeing movies about countries that are killing people. I kind of know that I need to see these movies, but I'm angry that I'm seeing these movies. Because this shouldn't happen. How can, how can, and I don't understand how, you know, we can do things like the whole world sanctions Kim Jong-un because he's got nuclear weapons and doing all kinds of shit. But it's literally proven that him and his cronies killed his own brother. And then Donald Trump goes and visits him and, and makes friends with him. Like, why, why do we not put harder sanctions on these people? I don't get it. I'm not, I don't really understand the world in which we live in right now. It's frustrating that countries can just do whatever they want and people just, like, I think every, it's not like we want to go into a world war or anything like that, but I think that we know that sanctions can just have more control. Just the same thing as what's going on in China right now with them taking over Hong Kong. It's like the rest of the world is saying, oh, China, please stop doing that. And they just keep stepping forward more and more and more. And you got Saudi Arabia just doing whatever the hell they want, killing whoever they want, you know, treating women and 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 people just with with disrespect. I just think the G20 or the um, the rest of the civilized world. I want to say civilized because you know some of the countries that are supposed to be civilized are maybe not being that way. But <sighs> I'm I'm just. I'm raging because I'm tired that we have to keep seeing these in films. Why can't we see documentaries like Greta? 
which was a great dog. Was it? And Greta was doing some great things. It was good. It was a mess. It wasn't but, great. You know, it was, yeah, but still, it was the fine. message was good. The message, the message was, was good. The message was good. That is true. Right? Why are we seeing more about that and less about, I mean, why do we have to have movies that exist with this, with this theme? The directors are doing great jobs. They're letting us know these things, but I'm just tired of, I'm tired of the world being a bunch of fucking dicks. Such That's my a, rage. Such a down. The world, the world is a bunch of fucking dicks. We need to stop it. <laughs> the world is a bunch of dicks. All right. Well, there you are, sir. Uh, now what, what do you got? Is what it, do I got? Well, that's a, a good question. Is it a surprise? Is it going to be action film? All right. Uh, this week, eh, I don't know that I even feel like raging much. So instead, I'll just sing you a little song. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What else is you looking for? Whoa, under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Under the sun, they slave away. Anyways, that's my rage. Under the sea. It's the best. Rage. Subsiding. Pulse. Slowing. Anger fading. Well, mister. Yes. Did you get a chance by any chance? Chance by any chance? Tunisian victory? Which I thought was just Frank Capra, but apparently it's not. He has a part in it. But did you watch it? I'm sorry. What was I supposed to watch? Well, you weren't. There was no rule assigned to it, but the only movie I think we hadn't seen in Frank. Frank Capra's list was his first one, which was number eight, which was Tunisian Victory. That wasn't number eight. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Let's just do this for the rest of the podcast. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Uh... As a director, well, here's a question: Did you see? Did you see Frank? Any Frank Capra? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is uh, compelling, eh? Now, number eight what? back. Eight is Meet John Doe. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was Tunisian Victory, but that's. Only a portion that he directed. Oh, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, if it's not all, then, yeah, no. Which I didn't see, but I'm not... He didn't He didn't direct the whole thing, so... Ah, uh, so yeah, meet, meet John Doe. So it, th- it doesn't... 
it doesn't matter. Let's face it. He's undoubted because every one of his movies, I'm and this still, one is not going to be no, so the The only one that I have, I went back and looked at everything, and the only one that I haven't seen is A Hole in the Head. And I think I need to see it because it may be the possibility. A rage? It, well, it might be because I don't remember seeing many Frank Sinatra movies that weren't a rage for me. So... I I think I need to watch Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not, okay, well. not, not a big fan of Frank Sinatra as an actor. Yeah. Well, he could be mad. He could be lu- we could be lucky. Yeah. So but he I, he could be lucky. Yes. It makes no hill of beans to us. Yeah. So we're just, we're just bringing this out. I don't know. A, a 2-hour comedy drama starring Frank Sinatra has Oh man, does that is that a recipe for a rage? So uh, before I go putting them on a on a on a list for undoubted, uh, I need to see Frank, Frank Capra's "A Hole in the Head," which I have a feeling might keep him off. But I don't. I, that's a good thing that I'm going in with low expectations, because yeah, it just has to be a match. Because the other ones were I, Mondo, I, Trump, I, right? I understand that. So. I will watch A Hole in the Head. I will try to watch it as soon as humanly possible. I got to find it somewhere first. But uh, once uh, once I do that, uh, we will know whether Frank Capra is undoubted or not. Do you have anything else for us? I always got something going on. Right. You know that. Lay it on me, mister. Uh, okay, so I've got... I've only got one person on my doubted list, which I am almost... It's almost guaranteed that he's going to be on the list. Like, I don't even have to... I almost don't have to tell you. I just have to tell you his name. And it'll be like, oh, yeah, he's doubted. But er, I, the, the saddest thing about this mm-hmm. is I've actually seen every single one of these... <laughs> <laughs> okay, who are we talking about? <laughs> okay, let's do doubted. Okay. So we are talking Aaron Seltzer. Who? The di- Aaron Seltzer, the director. Aaron Felser. Okay, well, I don't I have no idea who that yeah. is. Okay. Well, here's the fabulous list of movies, his last eight. Okay. 2006 brought us Dare Movie. What movie? And it's a rage. What's it called? Dare. Like, I dare you to see this movie. Dare Movie. Never heard yep. of it. He, um, he has this thing where he um, uh, he makes the spoof movies that's his that's his stick oh that sounds okay awful yeah yeah so that's going to give you an indication of what exactly his um, his repertoire is now some of these are with other directors which I have makes no sense to me but yeah Oh, sorry. Did I say dare? I meant date. Okay. (laughs) Sounds like, what the heck is dare movie? That doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I'm like, wait a minute. No, it's date movie, which was a rage. Date movie. All right. And then there's epic movie, which was also a rage. Then the spoof on 300, which was meet the Spartans, which was a rage. And then there's Disaster Movie, which was, guess what? A spoof on Disasters. That was a rage. Then he made a spoof about vampires called Vampires Suck, 
which was a rage. Then he did it. Then he did a movie about the spoof of the Hunger Games called The Starving Games. That sound that that had to be good, right? It was also a rage. Uh, the best night ever, which was a rage. And unfortunately, there's a movie on here I haven't seen. But I can almost guarantee it is also a rage. Because guess what? It's a spoof on the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> Called Super Fast. Wow. Super Fast. That's probably yep. going to be good. Uh, yeah, think- well, if you, because you like the Fast and the Furious franchise, this one ought to be super good for you. Hmm. Um. Yeah, you go ahead. And put them on the doubted list if you want. I don't know. Do we have to watch <laughs> Super Fast? I don't think we do. I don't think we have to because even if it was a math, which it won't be. Honestly, he's I, still he's still doubted. I couldn't tell you which of those are that I've seen and which I haven't seen. I know I've seen at least one or two of them. Maybe I saw five or six of them. I have no idea because they're all. But they the, were still a rage. They're all the same movie. They're all awful. They're all just not funny. And apparently they're comedies, so that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, because normally comedies are terrible at the best of times. Mm. And when they're the worst of times, that makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw a disaster movie. Might have saw, I think I might have saw, I might have saw a date movie. I don't know. I might have seen Yeah, you probably did. I have no idea. They're all terrible. Yeah. No, they're all just the same. They're awful. He's definitely doubted. I guess like if you got if you're making money in this niche though, I mean, more power to him, I suppose. I, I don't know. Somebody's somebody's Why are we saying that he gets power? I don't get that one. Some of these What's the power here? Some of these Hey man. You can uh you can sell this schlock to somebody then I don't know. You, you got some sort of talent. <laughs> Uh, talent for what now? Uh, that would be talent for convincing someone that this movie needs to be made. And that's someone going, yeah, okay, here's the money to make it. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you a, an undoubted this week. All right, go ahead. And I have a feeling it's not going to get past you because we've reviewed one of these movies, which I think the last one was a meh for you. All right. But if the last two on his list were a math, he's doubted. He's not undoubted. Okay. Okay. So I'm putting forward Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Oh, that's that is gonna be tough. I don't know, man. Really? We we've talked about some of his movies already, and I picked. You know what? I did the Six Degrees of of um, Kevin's Bacon. And which brought me because when I was doing Emma Stone, which we put on, I picked up and Steve Carell is in a bunch of great movies. So 2015, he was in the big short, which was a Mondo. Uh, yes, that's a Mondo. Cafe Society, which I have not seen. That's the only one I haven't seen off his list. I, I loved it. Okay. It's a Mondo. So I have to see that. I have to see it. But if it's, if it's even a meh for me, it would be okay because the next one was Bondo for both of us. Battle we already talked Sexes, about this yeah. with Emma Stone. Yep. Uh, the the last flag flying to me was a Mondo. It was meh. 
Okay. What about Beautiful Boy? Because that was a meh for me. That was a Mondo for me. Okay. So he's still good. Vice, we've already talked about, is a Mondo. Mondo. Okay. And Welcome to Marwin for me was a Mondo. This is the second last one. Yes, it is. Yeah. No, he's not undoubted. This is meh. Okay. And it's it's a okay. lo- it's a low meh. Like it might have been. Oh rage. wow. It was cool. Oh, wow. I did not like this movie. I loved it. And go. I also gave Irresistible Amondo, which you gave it a match. So, uh, okay. Back to back. Sorry, mess. Steve. So close. Sorry, Steve. I was actually getting so a little close. bit excited as we were going along. I, I was like, know, it's, right? he's got a chance. He's got a chance. But see, he did. He did have a chance. Like he's making. He's making good choices, man. He is. He's making good choices. There's, there's no question. And he's he's dropped his comedy shtick, and he's now doing. Well, I mean, obviously, Resistible was a was a comedy. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it's a little. But he he's becoming a super strong uh, dramatic actor. Yeah. No, he's uh, he is good. But uh, yeah, I mean, I really like you. You might not like Cafe Society. Um, it's it's not Woody. I'll go, Al- I'll go see it. It's not Woody Allen's best movie, but I really liked it. I am a bit of a huge fan of Woody Allen. So, I just don't like his you got you got sexual you got, prowess. You got Woody Allen with uh, you know you know how Woody Allen kind of puts uh, someone in the role that would typically be Woody Allen. Yep. You know what I'm saying. This time he put yes, Je- I do. He, he put Jesse Eisenberg in that role this for this particular oh, movie. That's, so that's kind of that cool. would be really good actually. Yeah. Huh. I should probably look into Jesse. Although Jesse was in a couple of superhero movies back to back, so mm. I'm not sure if you're a big fan of those. Jesse, he's been in a lot of good movies, but good yeah. movies too. Yes. Okay, yeah. one mesmerized, and then we're done. All right. I'm putting Sigourney Weaver. Didn't you already put Sigourney Weaver? I don't think so. Really? I remember talking about yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Maybe we were just but it might have been for... Maybe that, we were just talking about her. Yeah, maybe it was for that Catcher in the Rye thing or whatever it was called. Yeah, because she was in the, the Catcher in the Rye of, thing. J, the J.D. The Salinger. Catcher. My my Salinger year. My Salinger year. <laughs> that's yeah, that's right. what it was but, called. And so you can imagine why I ended up... But she's been on the list since we saw that, so... Mm. Like she's been, I've been waiting to discuss her since then. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to say, uh, probably an unpopular. No, I don't think she's mesmerized. Oh, okay. Well, I disagree with you <laughs> because you I, I find she steals the scene from everybody she's on with, no. even in early films like Aliens. No. Alien. No. She's just, uh, I don't know. She's kind of a... She's all right. She's not mesmerizing. <laughs> okay, well. She's, sorry, Sigourney. She is fine. She's fine. <laughs> and not F-I-N-E fine. She's just fine. If you need right. if you need someone in your movie and you don't want to, you know, you don't want that person to embarrass themselves, Sigourney Weaver's your actress. Because she'll do fine. No, you're- so you're saying, and let me make sure I understand this correctly. Yeah. You're you're basically saying that Sigourney Weaver is a turnip. Uh, I've never said that, but I think I think that's what you're saying because that's yeah. usually the line we would say in front of Madam Madam Yam or Mr. Potato. Ah, uh, whatever. 
Mr. So now Potato. we've got the Queen of Turnip. <laughs> queen of Turnip. No, no. She's Sigourney not, Weaver she's not is a the turnip. Queen of Turnip. She's fine. Well, you basically just said that. You, she, yeah. She's fine. fine. Fine is literally the definition of root vegetable. <laughs> really? I think root, root vegetables are delicious. I love potatoes and turnips. Well, if they, were, if they were that delicious, she'd be mesmerizing. So apparently she's potato slash turnip adjacent. Mmm, potatoes. So good. <laughs> okay, well, that's enough of that. Yeah. Uh, you think? Yeah, that's enough. I, I, I'm running out of lists. I gotta, I gotta do some digging. Yeah, I gotta do some digging, too. I gotta bring something to this conversation, man. I've, I'm sitting here relying on you every week, and I don't know, if you're coming up with Sigourney Weaver as mesmerized, maybe it's time for me to do some work. I love Sigourney Weaver. Uh, yeah, she's fine. I don't fine. think she's fine. I think she's F-I-N-E fine, uh, not just fine. She's just not. And I don't think she's anything turnip, but I think... I don't think she's think anything she, turnip, she, too. I love I love turnips, she, and I just think she's okay. When when she comes into the movie, she turns it up. No. <laughs> she doesn't. She's all right. She does. She's, she's awesome. She's adequate. I love her. She's so she's adequate. She's She's mesmerizing to me. So, in our excitement and haste, last week, we did not make Bryce pull from any bag but his own in the privacy of his own bedroom. But lucky for us, we have a lineup from our pod fam happy to dare us to see terrible films. It looks like we were double dog dared to see Slapshot 3 by multiple podcasts in honor of NHL being back in session, baby. This week, we will definitely not let Bryce escape from pulling from my juicy, tasty bag of succulent goodies when he reaches deep, deep, deep into my bag of rage. Let's check in first with Bryce to see if the Hanson brothers still got it or should they finally retire to sunny Florida and start to roller skate instead. Slapshot 3. Total crap. Not funny on any level. The funniest person in this was Mark Messier. Mark Messier is not funny. It pained me to see Leslie Nielsen in this. On the bright side, this seems to have put a nail in the Slapshot franchise. I'd, I'd say it's dead. It's never coming back. Uh, this was a rage. I don't want to waste my time talking about this movie. It's crap. Well, I know I love to rage. Go ahead. About this movie. Ugh. <laughs> oh, special internet slash interweb dare to see Slapshot 3. We could have got out with Slapshot 2, but I had to take it to another level because I said Slapshot 2 can't be, can't be the worst of the franchise. It's got to be 3. Yeah. So you can thank me for that because they, they initially dared us to see both. Yeah, I could. This beloved Canadian classic shot in 1977, Nowhere in Canada... But because we own hockey, 
we like to pretend that it takes place in Canada somewhere, has an IMDb rating of 7.3, and is a super mondo. And that's the original Slapshot. Now, Slapshit 2, Breaking Ice, shot in 2002 in Vancouver. Why? Because, like I said, Canadians own hockey. So, A thought we should own this franchise. So, well, it has an IMDb rating of 4.4 and is terrible. Was it because, like most Canadian films, it was thrown together with no budget and made without Paul Newman? Yes, this could be the reason why. Now, the reason we are seeing number three in the series. Well, as with most sequels, they got progressively worse as they go on, and this is no exception. Devoid of any real acting talent, and yes, Leslie Nielsen is in this, as well as the Hanson brothers, who seem to have built a career on being in sequels of this movie. And yes, less budget and filming location moved to outside Vancouver. So it wasn't even enough budget to be filmed inside Vancouver. It was shot in Langley. What do you think that tells you? Is it a coincidence that Leslie Nielsen died two years later? I think not. So the reason we are seeing this is in the, is in the honor of the return of hockey. Uh. To see the worst of all slap shot or slap shot adjacent films. This should have been called Little Orphan Annie Plays Hockey. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet Get your, your bottom, bottom dollar, dollar that, that tomorrow, tomorrow will come be what come on. may. <laughs> okay. This has everything in a movie that annoys me about film. It's got CLFs, sports movies, Stupid plot similar to every other evil real estate mogul taking over a town. Unrealistic everything, including a teenage boy who's hot, who has, who's scared to kiss a girl that's basically throwing herself at him at her parents' house all by herself. The only good thing about this film was when the Hansons found their balls and started a bleachers fight. I didn't actually understand any relationship anyone had in this entire movie. I was confused. I felt like I was Bryce watching this movie. This felt like it was written by the Junior League, that it wasn't the Junior League. I hate to say this aloud because it almost is reprehensible. This movie may have been worse than The Cutting Edge. Wow. No, it wasn't worse than The Cutting Edge. There's nothing worse than The Cutting Edge. Oh, no. Nine Lives is definitely worse than The Cutting Edge. Uh, I haven't seen that. This was god-awful, but it was no cutting edge. Yeah. Okay, so originally I thought the Hanson fight was the best part of the movie. Yeah. But the actual best part was the Boston pizza signs on the scoreboard in the final game. That was the best part for you? (laughs) It was. I was like, okay, so you're going to pretend that you're taking place in Philadelphia. Yeah. And yet, or was it Pittsburgh? I don't even know where it was supposed to be. I think they were pretending they were in Pittsburgh. But so, and then they've got Boston Pizza, which is a Canadian franchise. (laughs) Like, could you not have covered those up for the movie? Like, 
how who was doing that? I was like, okay, this is funny. That was literally made me laugh. And then of course the potato chips with Mark Messier. That was that was actually pretty funny. Mm-hmm. As I say, Mark Messier was the funniest part of this movie. Of course, you know no, the, Mark Messier no, is not funny. Yeah, he's terribly not funny. I thought the Boston Pizza signs was even funnier because I'm like, this just literally proved yeah, how budget I, this movie I, is. I saw them. I just they just got a, an eye roll from me. They didn't get a guffaw. <laughs> It got, I was rolling in, in the aisles with laughter eh, well. because that's a sign of a truly bad movie. <sighs> well, thanks, Interweb Twitter fans. You've yeah. done your job. Yeah, it was awful. Now, we are not letting you get away without choosing from my delicious, delicious bag. All right. Here we go. Get your hands in there. I am, I am grabbing Jim's bag. I am reaching inside of Jim's bag. And uh, uh, what the hell uh, have I got? Are you ready? Uh, 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 uh. Got one here. Do, 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 do. What does it say? It's upside down. What does it say? Oh my god. <laughs> ah, it's mannequin. <laughs> mannequin. <laughs> oh my god, dude. You're in such good I have a I have a vague recollection of mannequin. I don't think I actually ever saw the movie, but this is the one where the, like the mannequin comes to like the guy falls in love with a mannequin and it comes to life or something. Is that Sort of yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one hundred percent exactly what it is, and <laughs> it's by one of the best actors from the eighties. Who's that? Uh, what the hell is his name? He's in all those those terrible like Steve, Steve Gutenberg candles. Oh, sixteen no. candles. Sixteen candles. Anthony Michael or whatever. <laughs> no, not that. Not him. The other guy. No, that was what's his face. My God, why can we not remember? I have oh, no idea. Oh, what the hell? He's in Weekend at, Weekend at Bernie's, too. Oh, Andy McCarthy? Yeah. Yep. Andy McCarthy. All right. Oh, and he's in, sorry, Pretty in Pink, not in 16 Yeah, candles. I was going to say, he wasn't in 16 yeah. Candles. 16 yeah. Candles he's was, truly... by the way, 16 Candles was great. So was Pretty yeah. in Pink, for that matter. Love both those movies. Flip soundtrack. Flipping, through, flipping through the channels on TV, anytime there's pink, pretty in pink or 16 candles, whatever I'm doing stops. I sit down, I watch the remainder of the movie. Well, maybe Mannequin won't be so bad. Maybe it'll be, you know. Ah, uh, it's probably got a good soundtrack, good 80s soundtrack. Possibly, but it's got Kim Cattrall in it. And this is soon after she did uh, Porky's, probably, so... Uh-huh. I wonder. Mannequin. I wonder if she's the mannequin. I would imagine that she probably is, because that's about what she would be uh, suited to play. I just thought she was great in Porky's. Did you? Did you really? Yeah. Coyote. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> Another great Canadian film from our past. All right, so I will be watching Mannequin. I am not super looking forward to it, but eh, how bad can it be? It can't be as bad as Slapshot 3. No, I don't don't believe that it can. It's got a six on IMDb, so there you go. 
Well, thanks again, Ragers, for listening. Thanks to extended film rage crew of Leonard Common for his artistic vision and photography via Leonard Common Photography. Listen to us on all the podcast streaming sites. Find us on Film Rage YYC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and on our website at filmrageyyc.com. We are always wanting your feedback. Make this a raging blast for all of us. So, please go on social media, Apple Podcasts, our website, or Podchaser, and give us feedback. Or give us more dares, like Slapshot 3 or Mannequin. Maybe there's a Mannequin 2 in our future. No matter what you do, please make us rage. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on.